0: all right welcome to uh episode nine of the nebraska athletics podcast uh jeremy foote here joined by brian rosenthal uh brian we're still jeremy uh, we're still football season basketball we season aren't. is not far away we've got uh, soccer still going we got volleyball but i'm sure we're going to start with football as usual um yeah husker's still looking for their first win but I think from listening to Coach Frost today, is uh, I guess we're recording this on Thursday, um, Huskers play on Saturday at Northwestern. Um, I think Scott seems still pretty, uh, I would say, optimistic on the high end for Saturday. Seems like he thinks the team
1: really turned a corner at the Purdue game.
0: I guess those are his words exactly, I guess. Yeah,
1: that's what he said. and. He really likes the way they've been practicing, and that's kind of been the tone of the entire season. It seems like we talk about ad nauseum, how do they practice, and um, is it good, is it bad, what does it mean? And Scott says it all the time, so uh, the media writes about it a lot. We talk about it a lot because it's a, it's a key issue for this team. And for the last week or two, it seems to be pretty good for, for uh, as far as practice is concerned. Uh, I think, as, as Scott said, they hit a rock bottom He says at the Michigan game, I would think it was probably going up into that week, that Thursday before that Michigan game, when it was obvious he was not happy, and it was because they had really bad practice that day and and that week, and we saw what happened at Michigan, and then it got a little bit better. And then we, as you said, the Purdue game was, was kind of a turning point. We'll see. They didn't win at Wisconsin, but again, that's a really tough game to win. Uh, this week will be two, but you get the sense that they're they're right there. They're they're getting close, you get the sense that just a couple of things go right if you eliminate a couple more mistakes and I think they did a better job of that at Wisconsin, still not clean, but I think if they can get a couple of breaks to go their way, gets get some 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 momentum and eliminate the mistakes, I, I, I do. I think they're really, really close and, and maybe it happens this weekend, we'll see. It just seems like they've been a team so far this year
0: that hasn't really caught in any breaks and has had about every single break possible to yeah. go against them. I mean, if you think back to And there's a reason for that too at some point. There's
1: um, and some, Scott, some of it is bad luck, but you, you create your own that. luck. When so. you
0: put yourself in certain situations you don't necessarily always put yourself in the right situation to have a break go your way. Um, and for instance the the Colorado game. I don't think Antonio Reed was going in with the mindset that he was going to take a guy's head off i think he made a play on the ball the ball was overthrown and unfortunately as we've seen every weekend in college football and pro football a targeting call happens when that wasn't the intent of what happens okay bad break um wisconsin game not that this play I, i think of the wisconsin game i think of the wisconsin game not that this play would have made a difference but uh I believe, I believe the thing of the Wisconsin game is the Purdue game. Freedom gets called for roughing the passer, where he gets pushed by the offensive lineman into the quarterback. Yeah, that was the Purdue that's, game. That yeah. Purdue game. That's, I mean, it's a bad break. It happens. Other teams, it seems like maybe those breaks happen in times when it doesn't really change the game so much. Um, the Purdue game, we almost interception that probably goes bounces mm-hmm. off a of Purdue player's hands. Um, it seems like Nebraska just needs to get one of those breaks at some point and it maybe just kind of sheds that that stigma for everybody that, oh, hey, we, we finally got a break. Not everything's going against us, and so maybe it just lets everyone kind of relax a little bit.
1: Yeah, and it's it continues to be an issue and has been for years, I think. For whatever reason, Nebraska just doesn't get or create the turnovers that they used to back in the day, and uh, there's obviously a lot of things that aren't the same as back in the day, but it just seems like it's so hard for this team to get a turnover and as we know those can be game changers and the few times over the last few years you think of them getting multiple turnovers in a game then it turned out pretty well the one I can think of right off the top of my head it's been a couple years already but at Indiana they had a couple of interception returns for touchdowns obviously changed the complexion and everything of that game that, that they won and you know, I'm racking my head trying to think of other games recently where they've had multiple turnovers that really um, affected the outcome, outcome of the game and you there was a Wyoming game Josh Allen was
0: actually the quarterback two years ago I believe where maybe he had two or three yeah. interceptions but yeah there's not there hasn't been that many yeah Nate just, Gary
1: had one of those yeah and yeah it just it's it's mind-boggling really and especially because this defensive staff going back to Central Florida that's they preach it they they thrive on it they that's that's how central florida had so much success last season the last two seasons was by forcing creating turnovers and you know it's it's not like it's not been a point of emphasis but you know some of that is luck too but mm-hmm. again sometimes you create your own luck so I, I i just like to see them defensively get the ball in better field position for the offense and one way to do that is to you know get your helmet on the ball or deflect the pass that's caught by a teammate defensively or just flat out catch it off the, you know, at the point of attack or whatever. But it, it, it just seems like that if they could get a couple of turnovers and get momentum going their way, you know, that could be a game changer too for them. seems
0: like one thing is uh, – I think Coach Frost has brought this up multiple times is guys realizing that things they do in practice do have a relation to games. So I think earlier in the year yeah. they had the two fumbles against Colorado – and then Coach Frost brought up the next the next week about, hey, we focus on this every day, but I don't think it got in the guy's head until it happened in a game, and then they realized, okay, this is why we're doing this in practice. Yeah. And I know he brought up after the Purdue game uh, a defensive um, thing that they do in practice with tip drill. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, maybe the guys were always, eh, why are we doing this? And then you see in a game that, oh, you know, a little locked in on this. Maybe we create an interception. Not that it happens every single time, because like you said, a lot of that is luck. But it seems like I know he's brought it before that until guys seem to see things in games and how it affects them, then they're not. Then they're realizing how important some of these things are in practice, and hopefully that'll that'll have an impact moving forward. Yeah. Um. So, it, the Nebraska Northwestern series, it's been an interesting one. It seems like it's been dominated by the road team for quite a bit. I guess what is. You, you've been in, you've been at quite a few of these games. yeah the
1: only, the only time the home team has won in this series since Nebraska has joined the Big Ten is the Jordan Western mm-hmm. pale Mary catch yep it, in Lincoln and obviously that should have been lost but and then we'd be talking about the home team has never won in the series. that's kind of awkward when you yes. stop to think about it but you know for Nebraska at Northwestern I can kind of see it because the crowd is half red and mm-hmm. it's not like a regular road game and I can kind of see Nebraska having an edge at Northwestern. The, the the surprise I guess is why Northwestern has had so much success in Lincoln and but then again a lot of teams have recently but this is going back before Nebraska was having such a hard time losing at home though that you know Northwestern came here that first year and won and and for whatever reason just in general Northwestern not just this year but in, in previous years to me just seems like a team that thrives on going on the road in big stadiums and pulling upsets and winning when they're not supposed to and I think they thrive off the environment sometimes of going on the road. And some teams are just like that. You know, we've talked about the, the volleyball team here that likes to go on the road. And sometimes we think they perform better in road games or road matches than at home. So some teams are are like that. And I think Northwestern football is one of them. But we'll see this weekend. It's homecoming for Northwestern. They've not won a home game yet. They're 0-3. Um, they've won their only two games on the road. One of them at ranked Michigan State. Uh, again, it'll be a huge Nebraska crowd. Uh, Nebraska fans. Well, first of all, there's a huge alumni base in Chicago. Second of all, Chicago is a great and easy and fun destination for a lot of Nebraskans who travel. So, and it's an easy ticket to get to. So, uh, expect a big crowd, and we'll see if Nebraska can continue that trend of the of the visiting team winning in this series. I think Coach Shenander got
0: posed this on Tuesday. He was asked, you know, what what is this defense going to see different from last? Last weekend, and he pretty much said, well, the exact opposite. Wisconsin's going to line up, pound you, and and run it at you. And Northwest, I mean, what did did they finish with last week in their win at Michigan State? I think eight yards rushing?
1: Yeah, they had eight yards and 20 attempts. And part of that is Michigan State is the number one ranked rush defense in the nation. So you have that going against them. But just in general Northwestern has really struggled running the football especially since uh, since Larkin was lost I mm-hmm. think after three games he retired because of injury. Uh, so they were doing okay rushing the football with him and without him it's just taken a real nosedive. Um, what are other gathered uh, yeah, last in the Big Ten at 2.4 yards attempt and, and 77.4 yards a game. So uh, the numbers you know speak for themselves. Scott Frost is not convinced they're one dimensional but they're pretty dang close and um, I believe that uh, Pat Fitzgerald the Northwestern coach probably said it best um, when asked about the rushing attack he says it's painfully obvious we kind of suck at it right now so (laughs) at least he calls it like he sees it and he does he does uh, not just there but a lot of times with this team he's one of those coaches that will, will lay it out and tell it like it is and Uh, And it's the truth. They're having struggling, or they're struggling right now running the football. So if they are one-dimensional, Nebraska's got to make sure to lock down and stop the passing game, and Northwestern's pretty good at it. I was talking with a media
0: member yesterday while we were waiting for Coach Walters to come up, and we were talking about the offense, and we were discussing, you know, what were the keys for Nebraska to win on Saturday? And it's kind of strange because if you look at just on paper, they're putting up we're putting up you know over 500 yards of offense, but it's not resulting in, mm-hmm. in victories. And it's like, well, if you look at us on third down, we're not real great on third down, but is that because and Coach Walters and coach Frost will discuss it? A lot of our thirds downs have not been manageable because of penalties, other things like that. So seems like the and are you racking up in some of those yards in the second half when the defense is adjusting and not playing as aggressive, playing more of a prevent style? So, I guess, what would be your keys for Saturday? I think mine would be, well, for the rest of the season, be more manageable on third down, converting yeah. those. Um,
1: well, it all goes back to, the, you know, why, why are they in third and long and why do they have a bad field position? And, why, and it's, it goes back to penalties for me. I mean, they've got to they've clean up the mistakes and the penalties. You know, why do they have 500-plus yards a game, but yet not winning or not scoring enough points. Well, part of it is is they're they're covering so much. They have to cover so much field. They're mm-hmm. getting the ball at their own ten yard line, and so you can, you can cover a lot of field at that point and get yards, and and still only end up with three points or no points because of a turnover or penalty that sets you back again. So you're having to cover those yards again. That's. Yep. I mean, you stop and think about it. The 500 plus yards, and and not relating to success on the scoreboard, it, it kind of makes sense because. As we, as we mentioned, the field position, so, you, you know, you're starting at your 10, you have so much field to cover, and then you have a 10-yard penalty, a 15-yard penalty, put you back, so then you're having to recover those yards. I mean, you're having to work so hard and gain so many yards to just get into field position to score, so, it, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, but it, it all goes back to, to penalties for me. Uh, you if you don't have 100 and whatever yards a game it is that they're getting in penalties, and it's, that's a football field right there. So I, I, it just goes back to eliminating mistakes, eliminating the penalties, and I think that'll lead to better field position and an easier time scoring.
0: Without either of us getting probably into too much trouble here talking about officiating, I don't know if I've seen a game, speaking last week specifically, where more holding calls were called on one team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that all we're going to say? We're just going to say, on. well, it's... It is what it is. It is what it is. That's it was just interesting. I it seemed like
1: maybe it was one of those bad break things, but it was just like Well, I thought the same thing at the Purdue game. I yeah. thought that there were a couple that I didn't think were, and then you see a an opposing player tackle a Nebraska defensive lineman and <laughs> that's not holding. I don't I don't I don't get it. But you can question the other team, I guess, all you want. But, you know, Frost has admitted and that most of the penalties Nebraska's gotten, they deserve. So oh, yeah. I'm not saying I, – I, I guess I'm not trying to say that we were being called for things that didn't exist. Well, I think there's some of that going on, too. But um, it's, it, it is interesting that that Nebraska gets flagged for doing the same thing that the other team does, and the other team doesn't get flagged for it. And that's, 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 that's happened sometimes. Mm-hmm. So –
0: um, well I guess for we've talked offense, what is your key on defense? I mean, obviously we have a team that doesn't rush the ball well. You don't want to let them go off and run for 100 150 200 yards. Um defensively is it obviously creating turnovers would be great in the secondary, but is it creating pressure? Is it um containing the quarterback in the pocket? I guess what would be your keys on the defensive side?
1: Yeah, I would make sure that you're you're keeping an eye on, on Clayton Torres, and it always seems that whoever's a quarterback for Northwestern always busts a big run mm-hmm. against Nebraska. And I, I think just keeping all, all eyes on him and getting pressure on him, making sure that he doesn't get loose. And, and he, you know, he's not a guy that's expected to run a lot, but he can, and he, he could break one now and then. So I, I would say it's getting pressure on him and, and just making sure that, that he doesn't beat you.
0: Yeah, it be interesting. And then uh, we'll finally be – it seems like we've been on the road for quite a while. We'll be back at home um, the following weekend back here at Memorial Stadium uh, for Minnesota. Um, well, let's switch over to volleyball quick. Um, last weekend, Nebraska had their 14-match winning streak come to an end against Minnesota, number five Minnesota. Um, got back on the right path last night with a sweep of Indiana. Um, big challenge this weekend though for the huskers they're at Penn State um, have you heard anything from coach cook I guess on what he what he thinks about his team as we're hitting roughly i don't know five five weeks till the end of the regular season
1: well he was pretty obviously disappointed after the Minnesota lost last week and um, said watching the film I can't remember what said it was but was one obviously they lost, and said he threw up in his mouth a Mm -hmm. few times watching it, so that wasn't obviously good. And just watching them for whatever reason, and they had some problems with this last year too, but this year it seems a little bit more just the problems with the second set. And even last night against Indiana, they had 17 to nine, easily wins the first game, which they've done that. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, last week at home against Iowa, Iowa wins the second set. Um and that's the first time that Iowa's won a set against Nebraska. Um since nineteen eighty seven, I think. It was like a string of nineteen matches that Nebraska had swept Iowa. And then Indiana last night again it had 17-9. Indiana comes back to tie it and then I think it they go it extra, p- it goes thirty to twenty eight. Yeah. So um you don't have to work extra hard for that. And then it seems like they regroup themselves and and they're fine. And then they dominated the third set. But against good teams like Minnesota, you can't you can't let that momentum go. Mm-hmm. So and I don't know that Coach Cook has necessarily talked a lot about it, but that's just me watching. It's, it seems like the second set they've had really uh, a difficult time trying to maintain momentum from this first game and uh, and against good teams like Penn State. It'll be obviously a tough road environment for Nebraska, but again, a team that thrives on the road in these big matches. So we'll see what happens. But that's, uh, that's, a, that's a thing for Nebraska with me right now is, you know, maintaining momentum and winning that second set.
0: I think a lot of people forget how young this team is. I mean, you have Michaela yeah. Fecky and um, Kenzie Maloney, Brooke Smith, that are all seniors. Um, but then pretty much everybody else that contributes is a sophomore or a
1: freshman. Yeah, you have a freshman center. a freshman right center.
0: There. Lexi Sun's a sophomore. Kelly Schwarzenbach's
1: a freshman. Jeff Sweet's a sophomore. Lawrence Stivens is a sophomore. Um, yeah, we go back to the number one ranking at the beginning of the season, and we questioned then because the team lost four starters mm-hmm. and they're ranked number one. So, but they're fifteen and two. Yep, and you know, still in line to win a Big Ten title. Right now, they're not in first place, but long yeah, this season is, to go. Long this season next to
0: go. Roughly two weeks is going to be a real kind of. Setup point for them I would say I mean I think it's Given that they're going to make The NCAA tournament But probably where they slide at And maybe Being a Top four Or top eight Seed Because you're at Penn State This Saturday Then next weekend You're at Wisconsin And at Minnesota On back to back nights Friday, Saturday And then the following Wednesday You're at Ohio State um, Before you come back home And then you're Against Illinois Who was undefeated Before Nebraska beat them Then you're Back at home for Penn, or Penn State on on uh, November 2nd. So, yeah, about the next, yeah, good, uh, about three weeks, actually. Your next one, two, three, four, five, six, about seven matches are all against, you know, really good teams in the Big Ten, and that's really going to kind of decide at, at where this team's going to, you know, finish that up. I know listening to John Baylor last night, he, he kind of had Nebraska – and Minnesota may be vying for that number four regional host with Minnesota having it right now. But, you know, if Nebraska can go up there and, and win, maybe it evens a playing field, and then you, you yeah. see how the rest of it works out. So um, our other sport we've got going on right now, um, Nebraska soccer. They are currently fourth, I believe, in the Big Ten Conference at 4-1-2. Um, had their streak, well, not... Not undefeated streak, but unbeaten streak snapped last week uh, when they lost to Iowa at home, two to one. But they're back at home uh, tomorrow night, Friday night against Michigan. Um, it's been I, last year. Nebraska got off to a pretty decent start and then kind of struggled. A lot of ties throughout the season. Seems like they've done a better job of uh, uh, capitalizing on wins. Gotten some good road wins this year. Their season is, you know, close to being over. They've got four. Four match, four matches left. Michigan, Michigan State this weekend. Then they're uh, at Wisconsin next Thursday, and then uh, week from Sunday they host Illinois at home, and that's the the regular season ender. And then uh, I I would think they'll be in the Big Ten t- tournament at at that time. Not everybody makes the tournament, but I would guess their their hope is to
1: to host. I know in the first round campus sites, um, and then the semifinals and si- finals mm-hmm. are in Indiana. So. They just missed out on the Big Ten tournament last year. Yep. Went down to the very last seconds, I think. So.
0: Yeah, they were basically, I think it was all the ties they had throughout the year, just kind of yeah. eliminated them from that. And So, yeah, if you haven't gotten out and watched uh, the soccer team play this year, get out to Hidner Stadium. It's a pretty f- f- family-friendly environment. Uh, they got some good promotions. I know uh, tomorrow night, I believe, they're giving away scarves to the first 450 fans. Um, Sunday is usually a family day. They'll have like uh, inflatables, balloon animals, face painters. Um, and then Sunday, next Sunday for the uh, 21st, I believe they're having a pre-game trick-or-treat event. So um, feel free to dress up and dress up your kids, bring them. I think they're having a costume contest at halftime. So um, really good venue over there, at Hibner Stadium. If you don't know where it's at, it's just north of the Devaney Center on um, right off of uh, Cornhusker Highway, so. Uh, well, the only thing we got to talk about, Big Ten Basketball Media Days started today Chicago. Well, I guess it's a one-day event. Um, what do we learn about Nebraska basketball
1: today? It's, it's actually a half-a-day event. It's funny how the football media days last three days, and men's basketball is done in, like, three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We learned much of anything. It's just a lot of um, talk about the stuff that we've really already talked about. I don't think there's anything newsworthy other than the fact that Tim said they're gonna go to Italy next summer for their every four year trip that they have. So um, that'll be fun for them. But I think a lot of coaches across the league today voiced their opinion on how good they think Nebraska really is. And I don't think it's just coach speak. I think they were sincere on that. And um, we'll have to read some more stories as they come out from Chicago, specifically what some of the coaches said, but and listening to some of the questions up front uh, they were uh, very few and far between <laughs> so it wasn't a lot of activity on the main stage from what I saw uh, watching a few of them this morning but a lot more information comes out in the round and stuff like that obviously I wasn't there so I can't exactly say what on went, went on with round tables but in following tweets and reading stories and watching BTN today uh, not a whole lot of uh, Huge information came out, but again, I think the the talk about Nebraska from other Big Ten coaches and players will be interesting to read about as they come out. I know there were some coaches that uh, Chris Holton from Ohio State was one of them that said Nebraska's flat out an NCAA tournament team. So uh, we'll, we'll see what some of those other coaches have to say, but in general, not a lot of <coughs> huge information, but Isaac Copeland, James Palmer Jr., uh, Glenn Watson were the representatives for Nebraska and I, and, I were, and I, those were the seniors, yeah. Oh, and yep. then Isaiah Roby, the, the junior, was there as well. So Nebraska had four players, which is by far the most amount of players I can ever remember Nebraska taking to basketball media days. So mm-hmm. that's kind of their core four, and and they're looking really good in practice right now. I was over at a practice the other day, and Tim came over and sat by me for a little bit, and again we talked about how those four are really really good. Um, they just got to develop some other guys behind them and and with them and figure out that fifth spot and but keep those four healthy and i think it could be a special year
0: i guess what is well one thing we should mention first from newsworthy side is uh released on wednesday i believe was that carrington davis will miss the year
1: uh torn acl uh freshman Uh, achilles
0: achilles sorry was
1: the injury but yes that's right
0: torn achilles tendon
1: was having surgery i believe uh later this week the end of this week and he'll obviously be out a long time like six to eight months is the recovery on that so he will miss the season obviously take a red shirt and still have four years so that's disappointing because of the true freshman i think he was the the tops of the ones they thought could really contribute and do some big things but i still think you'll see amir harris and birdie hyman play for as as true freshman this year uh for nebraska so They'll have to rely on someone, some of them because the numbers are getting a little bit low as far as scholarship. I think they're down to 11 scholarship players right now.
0: So going back to the guys that'll be active on the roster this year, how do, I know Tim and most of the players addressed it because they got asked it multiple times today, but I guess how do they, in your opinion, how do they, I think we've talked about it before, how do they avoid the trap of just thinking, oh, well, hey, everyone, we think we're good. Everyone says we're going to be good. We're just roll it out there and be good. How do how do they still keep that hunger? To
1: well, I think because of what happened last year, everybody wants to make the comparison to the crash and burn of the 2014-15 season after the the very fun 2013-14 season. Well, they actually made the tournament that year, um, and expectations were very high and. Probably not rightly so, you know. Hindsight's 2020, but I don't think the team, the program, was ready for that jump like everybody hoped and expected. The, the difference now is, is there? Yeah, they had a great year last year, but they they were they were um, left out at mm-hmm. the tournament at the end, and they've got a chip on their shoulder. They didn't have that chip on their shoulder, I don't think going into that 14-15 season because they had gone to the tournament yeah they wanted to take the next step they lost to baylor you know they still hadn't won their tournament game so they had that apple or that carrot whatever, whatever fruit or vegetable you want to put in front of you but um so you had that in front of you but i don't i don't think they had this really um torqued off feeling like they do now i think they were they were they felt dissed and upset and even though that a lot of people were Giving them ups and pats in the back and say they're going to be very good. I, I still think that they know they can't take that to heart, and they really have something to prove. Plus, I think it's a far, far more mature team and a more complete team and program than what it was four years ago when they were, you know, faced with the same situation.
0: Well, before we head out, I guess what you got anything to to pitch? What are you What are you working on right now? And what can people expect to be seeing on
1: Huskers.com? Moving forward well i find out i'll be writing the story about the northwestern football game so you can read about that for sure on on sunday um or saturday after the game i guess because it's an early early game i'm still uh working on something next week we'll have uh aaron taylor being inducted into the uh college triple hall of fame in december and they will be recognizing him before the minnesota game next week so um already wrote a program story in him, but we'll update that for the website sometime next week, and I'll probably update with the hoop story, um, and we didn't talk about this too, but I wanted to do something on Cam Juergens, the freshman who's making the move to mm-hmm. offensive guard and center from tight end and whatever other positions that he could play, the true freshman from the for football, so, and he's also out for a month right now with a broken bone on his foot, so... That might delay that story a little bit, but um, it's interesting to hear some of the coaches talk about how great of a center that he could be. So, probably to be doing a, a story on that as well. I guess that's one of the, speaking to that specifically, one of the positives we can look back from when our conversation with
0: Jamie Vaughn earlier in the year about the redshirt rule is you have a guy that maybe comes into camp. Yeah. At one position, you said hey, this guy really needs to switch to this. Well, you're not going to want to throw him out there at the beginning of the season in that new position. You can work with him throughout the year, and then maybe the last couple of games. You can toss him out there and see what he has.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he's out. hurt too, so yeah, you're he's not gonna, hurt right now. Yeah, but you know, possibly, like you said, he's out for a month. Maybe the last couple of games of the year, you have opportunity to to get him in there on the offensive line, get him some reps, game opportunities. So next season's not the first time he's ever you know getting on the field. Um, well, we're almost. Getting close to the start of college basketball season—is this, is this your favorite time of the year, Brian? I know you're not an NBA guy, but I, I guess I don't know. I, I know you're a big avid baseball fan. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, I like whatever's in season. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always been a—I've always been like a seasonal sports guy. So whatever upcoming season there is, and you know what's in front of me at that time, I, I really get into. Um, obviously, I'm usually still focused on football when basketball starts, and you know this year with the with the basketball team. Having such high expectations and stuff, we'll probably be keeping a closer eye on them earlier than normal. And by that, I mean this is the earliest season opener they've ever had. I think it's November sixth. They've never started a season that early. So, and there's still lots of football to be played after that. At, you know, at least two or three games. So, some of a, a little bit of the crossover there. But I'll be I'll be re- uh, you know really ready to go for basketball this year. I'm really looking forward to that. And and then springtime baseball comes around. I like that too. So whatever whatever the season is in front of me I, re, I always really enjoy. Well, we're down to four teams
0: in Major League Baseball. If you had to pick, who's who's your World Series picks right now? Oh, I I think
1: Boston. I think they'll steamroll. You think
0: Boston's going to steamroll Houston? Okay. Yeah, and then I do. who do you got on the NL side then?
1: Well, we just said Houston,
0: so Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 uh, no, 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 Houston. Yeah, in the, in the, in the playoff. Are you talking in the AL? Yeah, yeah. So AL, you yeah, got the Steamroll, Houston. Yeah. yeah, I was saying, sorry, NL side. Who oh, I'm got? sorry. Um, Dodgers. Okay. Well, Dodgers. I'm sure MLB, Major League Baseball would love that from a rating standpoint. I'm sure they would. Yeah. I've got a somewhat pull for the, for the Brewers. Former, I'm former. IMG oh, I Western hope Sports they do, Network but I don't think they will. Contact. Uh, Lane Grindle works on the Bra- Brewers Radio Network, and also I'm just not a fan of the Dodgers. I feel like they're the Yankees of the West Coast now. Just. No. Maybe that's Corey what Boston Se- can Co- use for the motivation. Corey Seager goes down, and they just go get Manny Machado. So. Oh, there you go. Um, I guess
1: I'll pull for the—I feel like you should like
0: the Brewers. No, I, I, yeah, a, I want them to. They're like, like a, they're like a, ro- yeah, they're like a oh, Royals Yeah, Yeah, they've got story. lots of
1: Royals, and they're a great story. Yeah. I, I would love to see them. I'd You'd ask my prediction. This so is true.
0: Your prediction, Dodgers probably— Yeah, but, I think uh, that's
1: probably the safer bet, and I think Boston will probably steamroll everybody. But. Okay.
0: I don't know if I can see Boston steamrolling the Astros. I can see the Dodgers steamrolling the Brewers. I hope not. but um, Well, we'll keep on track with that. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. As always, check out huskers.com. Follow Brian on Twitter, GBR Rosenthal. Um, and, yeah, we'll be talking more football. Hopefully we'll be discussing a Husker win next week, and then we'll be looking forward to uh, Minnesota back here in Lincoln. So until then, go big red.